Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. I'm Tracy Koga and welcome to Hugh at Home. Well, during the pandemic, we've all become great chefs and some of us have learned to love it. But take a minute, what if your cupboard was bare and you didn't even know if you'd have enough food, let alone maybe going home or going to bed hungry? We're going to find out how the pandemic and COVID has affected our province's largest food bank, Harvest Manitoba, with CEO Karen Taylor-Hughes. And then later on, we'll heat things up with some hangover blues with country recording artist Jade Turner. Well, it's always interesting. I think every day I get up and I ask myself, what am I going to make for dinner for the family? Well, I think this question takes on a whole new meaning when I ask my good friend, Karen Taylor Hughes. Now, what are you going to make for dinner for hundreds of people, Karen. <laughs> so, in a, well, luckily, in a sense, <laughs> yes. Luckily, I'm not cooking for them because I'm not a very good cook. I'm luckily <laughs> my husband cooks. But it's a very good question. And you know what? Now more than ever, mm-hmm. it's become something that's on many people's minds. A recent survey just spoke with the fact that the number one thing on Canadians' minds is food insecurity. Mm-hmm. And what that speaks to is people have the access or inaccess to affordable, healthy, nutritious food in close to pro- their proximity. And I think that's always been a challenge, but I think COVID has just really shone a light on that. And people realize lots of folks are struggling to put food on the table mm-hmm. because we're almost a year into COVID. And it's impacted them financially mentally, physically, every possible way. And it's a real challenge. Well, I know, Karen, I mean, I don't know how many years now, two, three, as CEO of now called um, Harvest Manitoba. And it's been an incredible journey for you. So let's start now, March 5th of last year. March 12th was a lockdown. I mean, Harvest Manitoba feeds thousands of people every day or per week, how did that whole being locked down um, affect you and the volunteers um, at that point? It must have been awful. You know what? It, it feels now so far away, I can barely remember it. But I remember <laughs> when I went downstairs, because we get we are so supported in Manitoba. All of our retailers, every mm-hmm. grocery store, large food chain provides us with food, and we share that. So I went downstairs and went, where's the food? We were happy. We never had to really purchase food because we had so much donated. And we, I mean, all of our community food drives, we were able to meet the demand. All of a sudden, when that big stream of food stopped, we felt it immediately. So, and then we had the lockdown. 
So now, as a CEO, my number one, prior to that, my number one job was making sure we had food and the resources to get food to folks in need. Mm -hmm. Now I have to stop, and what might have been second or third became my number one priority, which was ensuring that my staff felt safe enough to leave their homes when they've been told to stay home, to come to harvest, to ensure that we continue to get food flowing to folks at this point in dire straits. So we have to lock our doors, change our processes, up our cleaning protocols, put in, change everything we did in the warehouse, rearrange our entire warehouse to accommodate social distancing, which meant cutting our volunteers like by 75% to start off with. And luckily, I have very good friends that work at City Hall and we were having discussions prior to these rumblings and just as they started to come as talking about what do we do if they close things like libraries down? What do we do with that staff if we don't want to lay them off? And I went, we're going to always want to need volunteers. So when they made the lockdown, they did all the necessary steps, which I'm sure were many, that was what involved the union, et cetera. And they were able to call and say, we can send you 25 volunteers tomorrow that could work nine to five and help you get food out. And because the whole lockdown was so new to everyone, a pandemic is a once in a lifetime thing if you're in the right years, no one knew what to do. So we didn't want to put any volunteers at risk. So we locked our doors and took no additional volunteers until we felt comfortable that they could be safe as well as our staff. Oh my goodness. So it was a huge change for us. Oh my goodness. And while we, you know, you see pictures of the warehouse and um, the, the protocols and the restrictions. Yes, Karen, so here we are today and, and how are things and how have things changed? Well, you know, it's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time. So we're still in this lockdown mode and easing up, but now, of course, looking at all the other potential variables and factors that will make this a slow process. I think there's a lot of folks who have been at home and they're bored Mm -hmm. and they see that they want to help but be safe Mm -hmm. and I find that they see that harvest ticks both those boxes so we actually have had a steady stream of volunteers now for months even when it was our coldest months all of our spots which are much less because now we have to become more efficient and do more with less Mm -hmm. to ensure people have social are socially distanced we have a constant flow so our volunteers are consistent and they feel safe and we're getting new ones every day so we're really fortunate what have you noticed karen in the food supply and yes you had mentioned like we just had that horrible cold spell and my goodness i mean we cannot imagine you know for the homeless out there uh you know really 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 tough times and then to deal with covid um, you know, we always talked about how the faces who came to Manito- or Harvest Manitoba um, are all different now. How have they even changed even more so in this last year? Well, as you as you write, you've been here many times. So we have what I love about Harvest is our volunteer force is as diverse as the community that we serve, and I love that about Harvest. Mm-hmm. People want to give back if they're receiving free food, and other people want to help. But because of COVID initially, we have to close our, we have an on-site food bank. Mm -hmm. And because we didn't want to have too many folks moving around and we couldn't guarantee everyone's safety, we closed our food bank on-site, which we we really weighed 
about safety for everyone involved, but then we were able to work with our food banks in the community. And as a result, mm -hmm. it actually worked out better. So now we have emergency food banks in certain parts of the city. So if someone calls today and is in dire straits, mm -hmm. they can get access to a camper in less than 24 hours. Wow. And it's going to be close to where they live, mm -hmm. versus coming down to harvest. So that's made a huge difference for us. And now we have volunteers, again, from every walk and space of life that come to help us. And I think it's a richer experience now than ever before, because I think there's not a person in our province that does not know someone who's lost their job as a result of COVID and no fault of their own. So I think people really want to give back. And we've seen that with donations, mm -hmm. because I mentioned supply chain was so short and it still is now. If you go to the grocery stores, where you used to have 17 or 18 choices, you may only have eight now because not everyone can get the supply out. So, so supply chain is still compromised. So we've had to purchase food and people have donated to us and they click on the COVID button. We have said, if you click that button for COVID support, that money is used only to purchase nutritious food when we're running short. Mm -hmm. So we have support, but we've had great support. We've had great food support. Mm -hmm. We had companies coming up that had never donated to us before or in a large way that bought truckloads of food that have made a huge difference. Well, I think it's just coming to the forefront, right? When during this pandemic and, you know, the people that have lost their livelihoods and lost family members, it is so sad, it's depressing, it's hard. Um, Harvest is always known too, not only as a food bank, but as an educational place with incredible programs. I remember the cooking program. We've, we've done um, some stories with, the, with you. Um, how are these programs affected? And I guess they have been, right? Correct? With the staff and, and, no volu and less volunteers. Exactly. Again, just to want to ensure that everyone in our building is as safe as possible, we closed our program down right away. Mm -hmm. so unfortunately, we haven't had any students come through, um, but we, it's not that it's out of our mind. So we actually have a new partner that will work with us to have a new program when we come back online that will actually be on learning about IT and jobs and opportunities in the IT sector. So the goal would be they would come in, learn the basics, if they have an interest, go a little bit further, and then through our partner would have opportunities to learn as a student in other places to get more to get a better background and potentially a job in the IT sector. So we are thrilled about that. But again, until we see a lot less restrictions mm -hmm. and we can have and guarantee that we can have support and understanding of the safety of folks in our building when they're here, but also knowing that they're being responsible when they're outside, mm -hmm. we have chosen not to do that yet, which is sad for us. But I think at this point in time, everyone has to make sacrifices and that's one that we have to make at this point in time. Mm -hmm. But we're hoping we're looking forward to maybe the fall or at the latest, this time next year to have it start up again. Yeah, well, well, let's hope. And, you know, Karen, getting back to, I guess, the necessities of life, and it's interesting that you did mention IT because that is a huge thing now. As we are doing this virtually through Zoom uh, and people wanting to be employed but don't have the tools, like a computer or are computer illiterate and need to learn, or they don't have a webcam. All of these things are all coming into play as to, right, 
um, being able to put food on your table. So there's a lot of pressures, I think, on families today. Oh, absolutely. I had a, a discussion with um, one of the folks on the police services board and also our folks that work with folks in communities in terms of shelters and things and the amount of domestic abuse, mm -hmm. um, the amount of kids calling the kids help phone. Um, I met a colleague who runs the kid helpline out of Alberta and she said nationally, they're almost four times the number of calls they've ever had. And they also have adults who can't get anywhere else, so they call as well. So I'm grateful that people have places to call, mm -hmm. but there's probably so many that don't, but it's very taxing. Um, even our staff, we're having professional development day. We have them only twice a year, a chance to come together, learn about services and things that we can do better, support our community. And we're all gonna be talking about wellness and just the, this, the almost a year of prolonged stress. Mm -hmm. of coming to work when your family's home or when your child is home and having them go to school and wondering, am I safe? Will someone test positive at work? What does that mean to me? Taking the bus, what does that mean? You know, we've seen and heard so many things. I mean, I can't even fathom the, for lack of a better term, PTSD that mm -hmm. we will see in all these essential service workers, all these folks that have been impacted in so many ways for such a long period of time and still a long time to come. It's going to really change everything about our society, I believe. Yeah. And I know too, unfortunately, we are, I guess, quite high up the list with uh, children living in poverty and children going hungry. Has that number changed at all? Well, right now we're at about 80,000 found individuals we're serving a month, which is about 46%. So we've gone up. We've always been the second highest in the country behind Nunavut, mm -hmm. but we, but our number still stays the same and is raising. So that, that allowed us to do some innovation in the midst of all of this calamity. We started a week-long take-home program for students. Mm -hmm. So we picked five city schools in the summer, um, well, early, late, late spring, five city schools that for 12 weeks that got them back to school in the fall, we actually gave them, we had what we called a pop-up station. So we brought out a truck, we had boxes and bags of food and books, and we had families line up in the community that was with the schools, the school that all their families know, and we brought food out, a week's supply of child-friendly foods every week for five for 12 weeks to these five communities in the city as well as three in the north and it was really well received so we will do it again and hopefully try and expand it because we found we knew with kids being at home mm -hmm. who were traditionally being fed in school just added more pressure to these families because now yeah. kids are home every day all day long from weeks and months on end so we want to try and support them so that was very well received. So we're hoping to do that again this summer. Um, we did it a little bit and we'll do, we'll try and do it for spring break as well, just to try and cover those weeks when mm -hmm. kids are at home because families are struggling. Oh, well, that's so wonderful. And there's, you know, there's just so much to cover. And I guess personally for you, Karen, well, no one would have uh, thought COVID would hit and we'd be, be living in this pandemic and everything nobody wrote the book on uh, but here you are, you know, taking care of this large organization that does feed the province because people will always think that harvest, oh, it's, you know, just 
the city, but it really is the province. Um, what have you learned through all of this? And I know we, you had spoken about what the future is like, and, and what are kind of the exciting things you want to try just to bring us not only, it's not about awareness anymore, right, Karen, because it is a need. You're going to have a lot more people needing harvest, I think. Oh, you're absolutely right. We learned from the recession, we saw a number of years where the numbers kept growing to where we were in 2020 before the pandemic started. So we know we're seeing steady growth every month of families coming to harvest after this period of time because they they have no more savings. They borrowed from all their family members and they now know even having some food support just means less money to spend on that to get food on the table and focus on other things. Mm -hmm. So we anticipate that will grow. We don't know when and how much. Um, again, so awareness, as you mentioned, people know of us. We know that. We've had great support food and fund wives, mm -hmm. but that will have to continue and we will continue to keep people updated. We have newsletters. We have our gratitude report that comes out once a year. We want people to know what are we doing? How are you impacting people? What does your donation do? And, what, and how are we using that? I think that's really important and we really strive. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing we're gonna continue to do. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, we are serving the province. So we're gonna focus on telling more stories. I think people really have no idea the scope and the size of Harvest. Yes, we're building on 1085 Winnipeg Avenue, but that building is 100,000 square feet and 85,000 of it is warehouse. Mm -hmm. Where we have, we see up to 11 million pounds of food come in and out of our doors to go to families that we get donated um, to go from different sources and to go out to our families in need. We're the fourth largest in the country. So we are a huge operation and we're a small staff of about 45. But most of our work gets done with the support of volunteers that help us package and distribute. And our food bankers, I would say 97% of all of our food banks across the, our province are run by volunteers. Yeah. So we have volunteers who are committed to their neighbors that show up every two weeks for a few hours and give them food and engage with them and make them know they're not alone. So certainly that's a huge undertaking. Um, personally, I've talked to many of my colleagues in the food banking sector or the not-for-profit sector, and I think we've all had to be innovative, creative, um, do many things we never thought we'd do right away, but we've had to move to virtual events, virtual things. Literally, we changed everything at Harvest in six days. So to be able to make those changes, I think it took, um, good leadership on my part but also on my other leaders parts and commitment by our staff to want to meet the goals and demands and i think they've done incredibly well so i think i look at all the not-for-profits that we work with and all the shelters and supports that have done amazing things we've collaborated like never before to ensure that nobody gets left out we've got great gifts of masks we got 1.5 million masks in the summer we've distributed to our food bankers, our clients, personal health care up to the north. So we've really tried to spread everything we have with all the folks that we work with mm -hmm. and we impact. And it's been a tremendous time to really see community come together. And we always say now at Harvest, it takes a province to feed a province. And we're seeing that. Yes, 
Wow. Well, it's so good to see you, Karen. And I think, you know, yes, hopefully at the latest time, the same time next year, we'll be fully running up to speed. But uh, you know what? The work that Harvest does is so amazing. And it was so nice to catch up with you. We've been thinking about you too as well. And I know that something as important as food and feeding the hungry is always first and foremost and wow you've done an amazing job you and your staff and all the volunteers miss all the volunteers they're wonderful thank you so much tracy always great to see you yes. and reminding all the ones watching want to learn more about harvest come to our new site harvestmanitoba.ca you'll see what we're up to you'll see how you can support us even from your home and look forward to hopefully having all of you come down and see the changes you made in your warehouse and see how safe it is and how you can have an impact in your community. Thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. Well, coming to you directly from East Selkirk, Manitoba, in a beautiful sunny day, I want to welcome Jade Turner. Welcome to Hugh at Home, Jade, and you look so relaxed. <laughs> I know. It's like we're doing, yeah, not going anywhere, and so, you know, this is it. But uh, we finally get together. I know that it's been a crazy, crazy year for everything, your music, COVID, work, having a baby, and now I know that he's two years old, so a lot of time has passed. How have you kind of, if you kind of reflect back, uh, you know, a year ago, Jade, uh, you were riding high, emerging artists on the country music scene, uh, ready to work and launch a new record, and then COVID hits, right? Yes. <laughs> so I was, I had already um, recorded most of the songs for the album back uh, before I had my son. And then I found out that I was pregnant. So I finished the like minor details of that. But then I was like, I'm not going to release it because I'm just having a baby. Like I can't do that. <laughs> and then I was getting ready to release it again. And COVID came. So I was like, no, <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> I was still like I was going to take advantage of that mat leave right mm -hmm. so I did end up releasing one song and just kind of like feeling out um the environment I guess because it's a totally different environment now from when before COVID hit so um I released Highway Town last mm -hmm. year in June I believe it was and I just kind of waited and just to see how the how it was going to go and, you know, whether or not I was going to release the whole album. And then I didn't end up releasing the whole album. But then this year I was like, you know what, we don't know what's going to happen. So why am I going to keep 
holding on to this. So um, I released Hangover Blues, you know, in February, and it's been doing really well. And I'm very proud of that. But it was a risk um, to take a more bluesy song to country radio. <laughs> and and also like the timing of it too, like it's, it's a long song. So I did take a risk, but I'm very happy that I did. Um, it got me opened up to more audiences. So it worked yeah. out. Oh, no. And it's true, right? Uh, releasing albums and the whole machinery and the business behind it too. There's a lot of people and a lot of different uh, cogs in the wheel, right? To make sure that everything rolls out uh, on the, you know, the right way. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, it's really hard to get people's attention right now because everybody is in their own little worlds right now. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, um, but it's always a lot of work. And you just got to try and figure things out. <laughs> oh, I know. And what is it like now for you being a mom and and juggling work and juggling music too, right? It's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a lot. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be this much. Luckily for us, we have a, a good daycare. So when I am on my days off, um, like today... <laughs> It works out or I can get set up and, you know, do the interviews and do anything that I need for music. So my days off are actually more busy than the days I go to work. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it is, it, you, probably you find a balance though too, right? Like the music balances you off from work and being a mom and vice versa. Yeah, I need music. Like I was getting really lonely and, uh, you know, not feeling like myself, I guess, until mm -hmm. I started getting back in the scene again and now, now I feel like I feel so much better and I'm obviously going to be a better mom for that too right so yeah it's been really great. Has music always been within you Jade? Yeah um, I don't remember a time that I didn't sing to be honest and I think the first the first song I wrote I was a really young kid and I was living on a really remote reserve and I was getting um picked on a lot like a lot mm -hmm. a lot and so I decided in that time that I was gonna skip school and not um, go and I ran into the bush and I would just go sit in there and write all day until finally my mom realized like okay where where are you like you're not like I think the school might have phoned like she thought I was getting on the bus and I wasn't in the school like okay she's not coming to school what's going on so then I got busted <laughs> Well, yeah, busted, busted, I guess, you know. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that. And now that you're a mother and, you know, you've got a child, how, and you've gone through these lived experiences of facing bullying and that, how will you, and I don't want to use the word protect, but how will you work that, work through that with your child as he gets older? You know, I have no idea. I, I often think about that a lot. And I think I'm just going to have to talk to him and, and uh, try and help him realize that um, everybody, like bullies are going through something as well. Mm -hmm. And it not, has nothing to do with him. And I think that's what I'm going to have to really focus on. Because you're not going to stop bullying. It's going to be how it like, no matter what, it's it's there and it's it sucks, but it's going to happen, you know. And I think the only the only thing I could do is give him those tools to realize that it has nothing to do with him personally. And um, also to voice, to, to stick up for himself a little bit too. And mm -hmm. voice like, you know, this is not right. And also stick up for other kids that are getting bullied. So yeah. that's all. <laughs> Do you remember how you coped with it finally and became the person that you are today? 
Um, it took a lot of a lot of years. Like I, I moved, I want to say, I've lived in 15 different communities in Manitoba. Yeah. We moved a lot. So I was always the new girl. And um, with my mom being a nurse, we would go to a lot of places that did, that had a lot of um, poverty and stuff. So I would go there, you know, with uh, newer clothes, you know, for school every year. And then there's a lot of kids that don't have that. And so I didn't realize it back then, but, uh, you know, that, that had to do a lot with the bullying. And so I, I dealt with it through music. I, no matter what community that I was in, I would always have my singing and I'd always have my music. And that was like my safety net mm-hmm. and pretty much what started, you know, my music um, career and everything that I, I used to sing Shania Twain. I used to sing Slim Beyond, Faith Hill. Whoa, <laughs> let's just go and start at the top, girl. Yeah. But it's interesting though too, Jade, that you are in a profession where you have you get feedback or you know you either get the audience loving you or the audience not being with you and releasing a new song are people going to like it are they going to buy it that like is really a lot of pressure on yourself too is it not it is but then i've also realized that not everybody's going to like my stuff and that's okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> proud of it and you know i tried my best and just keep working on it and i absolutely like i know it sounds so weird but i love the feedback if you don't like it i want to know why mm-hmm. and and i'm not going to take it personal like i i just i can't like you can't do that when you're in music business and so like i always ask for feedback like why aren't you going to be playing this song or you know uh why don't you like this song so that i can work on the next song and figure it out and try and be better you know and it's just growth. I have yeah. to learn to grow. <laughs> well, you know what? And that's such a great and refreshing kind of attitude, too, because I know that people, you know, take things so personally. And then with social media, right, it doesn't help sometimes. But no. I guess you have to be on social media. And so is your persona on social media different than, you know, the Jade at home? Or can you separate the two of them? How does that I- work? think so and I think it's like like I'm trying to figure out that balance too because a lot of I post a lot of stuff that's more home like I'm a Mm -hmm. more home uh, based artist I guess Mm -hmm. I post my son and I post my family and different things like that and I don't try to um, over exaggerate my life I guess in a sense but at the same time a lot of um, country artists that I know that have like so many followers they are their lives are exaggerated on social media Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find that balance of like (laughs) how to get these like other people involved without being something that I'm not I guess and it's kind of hard but I'm just trying to be me and not uh, I don't want to stress myself out over it at the same time so I think you're found your your niche right now so to speak I mean I I love hangover blues and I think it it is a perfect song for country right now and uh, so moving forward when do you hope or do you know when you're gonna go back on the road or your first live performance I am sitting and waiting to um, see what Dolphin Fest is going to do I've been on their roster for a few years and it keeps getting canceled (laughs) no (laughs) Oh. And that's, that's been my dream for a lot of years to play Dauphin Fest. So I'm just waiting and I'm like, what is that? What are the festivals going to do? You know, and um, I don't know really quite what I'm going to do this summer with with music. Um, it's all a learning process. I hope and hope and hope to 
play some live shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss it a lot. I've been, you know, obviously I'll be doing um, stuff online, but I do miss that that feeling that you get even um, just listening to other artists play. You know, it's just yeah. like, oh, I just miss that. <laughs> getting that connection and everything. Well, and just yeah, seeing the audience there in front of you and and seeing their reaction. I mean, that, that that's what live performance is all about. So, yeah, we hope too that we can go to Dauphin Fest and go to some of these festivals, but they're probably going to have to be reimagined. Yeah. So, but uh anyways, it sounds like you've managed, I guess, through all of this, what have you learned about yourself, Jade? Um, I learned that I actually do like peace and quiet. Um, (laughs) I went from go, 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 go all the time, even including when my son was first born, the first three months, we went camping four times. Um, and that's the way I was. (laughs) And now I'm like, I'm okay to just sit still and take it all in and take a moment for myself, you know, and not always have to be out there, uh, doing something like I, it's okay mm-hmm. to just sit back and I've learned that that I really like that um and it's kind of odd <laughs> in a sense because <laughs> like like I said it's, it feels kind of weird not doing things all the time but then I am doing things all the time at the same time it's I don't know it's like a balance <laughs> oh yeah well you know what we all have to learn how to balance things and uh, we're just so happy that we can finally connect and we can hardly wait to see you perform live so I know that will be I think hopefully soon. I think by the summer. And I definitely, hope. definitely want to meet your son. What's his name? His name is Jackson. Oh, oh Jackson. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Jackson Turner, another country star. He's going to be singing, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, thanks so much again, Jade Turner. Check her out. Hangover Blues is on, and you can download. Uh, where can we get your song, Jade? <laughs> Every single platform that you can find out there, it's everywhere. (laughs) It's everywhere. Good. That's a great answer. (laughs) Thanks so much, Jade. Thank you. that phone I know it's waiting on the other side It's Sunday morning and I know what that means You're just out looking for your next time Welcome back to Hugh at Home Coming up next, life coach Linda Dostowicz talks about how you can become an expert in your own life. Hey everyone, I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to be talking about this subject of being an expert in your own life. So often we look outside of ourselves for answers. In fact, we've been trained to look outside of ourselves for the answers, starting from when we went to school we looked to teachers, we looked to other people, and we weren't taught how to look inside ourselves for the answers that work for us and to trust our own inner knowing, our own inner wisdom, and it really holds us back. So I want to have you think about how you can really be an expert in your own life. It takes, though, 
getting quiet. We consume so much content. We watch courses from other people. We listen to podcasts. We scroll on our phones and we read articles. And trust me, there's amazing stuff out there. I write some of that stuff. So you shouldn't just not listen to anything. But anyway, (laughs) what I want you to realize, though, is that there is a time and a place for consuming content and then you need to get quiet. Shut it off. Stop consuming and start listening to your own thoughts, your own mind, your own inner wisdom. And to do that, it's getting back to basics. Go for a walk by yourself without headphones in and just listen to the sounds around you. When you come home, you will be filled with new ideas, journaling, getting quiet enough to just write three pages of stream of consciousness writing, you will find that you are uh, noticing your thoughts and paying attention to what keeps coming up for you. Listening to those thoughts, taking yourself out for something that's called an artist date. This is a beautiful concept by Julia Cameron. Once a week, take yourself out for something that delights you, something that feels frivolous and just fun and playful, and that will fill you up with ideas and thoughts that speak to you, that make you feel alive, that make you feel excited, that really speak to uh, who you are becoming. So take the time to become and acknowledge that you are an expert in your own life. We want to thank all of our special guests on today's show and leave you with this question. What's your favorite dish that you learned to make during the pandemic? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikeyou.com or you can message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikeyou. But for now, stay safe and healthy and we'll see you next time on Hue at Home. listening. This has been a production of iLikeQ.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast. That's right. Find us at thecashkidpodcast.com or listen in on places like Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or YouTube. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. 
Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.